Trading Nut, episode 148. And then, you know what the whole human psyche is like? You know, you get despondent, you say it doesn't work, you blame the market, you blame your broker, you blame your dog, you blame everything. Uh, whereas it's really a lot of it, if you've got a proven system there already, it's actually you that's the issue. You, you know, it's, the, it's you as a trader. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today I've brought back Andrew Mitchum. So if that name sounds familiar, he was on my 52 Traders podcast, and you would have had to be a long, long, long-term listener because we recorded that five years ago, back in 2016. Uh, he's also one of the only traders who've been on the show. I think there's only two of them who are based in New Zealand. In fact, I'm going to get a third coming up soon, so I can't wait. Now, what you're going to see in today's episode, I think is going to blow your mind because Andrew goes into so much detail about what he does and how he does it. In fact, the first show, if you listen to that one, I think this one probably is almost 70, 80% more detail of what Andrew does. So guys, this is coming up in a second. We also shot a video after the show where he breaks down how to pick high, or how he picks high probability trades and talks about a bit of software that he's created, which you guys can actually get your hands on, which automates virtually everything that he does. So guys, if you want to check that out, check out that other video after this, then you please, you're going to be very impressed with what you're going to find out, not just from an educational point of view, but also from an opportunity point of view. And if you do want to jump, jump on board Andrew's new software, then I actually have got an affiliate link. If you do sign up through my affiliate link, I will give you the first interview that I shot with Andrew and the video. I think we've got a video there as well. So I'll give you both of those and you guys get that as a little bonus for signing up through my affiliate link. Now, um, we talk about that in the other video, since so we're not really going to talk about it in this video. I'll give you a reminder at the end. Now, talking about robots, algos, automating things, then I have got my Robot Builders Club still open if you are looking to join that. If you join this month of November, I've created this bot called the Fake Structure Bot, which basically automates market structure. So there's a video of that up there on the Trading Nut YouTube channel and also on the Robots page of Trading Nut. We have got a test running this month of November, so if you do want to see how that performs, then there's a FX Blue link there and a chart that you can go and check that out. So your yeah, doors are closing on this, guys. So if you do want to come on board, now is the time to jump on board. Last but not least, uh, Genius Trader is coming out soon. If you do want to find out what that is, stay tuned here on Trading Nut. Now, enough from me. Let's get on with this epic interview with Andrew. Hey, folks, my sponsors, City Traders Imperium, have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program you got to check out. You can now skip the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With CTI, it's even faster and easier to reach up to $4 million in funding with a 50 to 70% profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. 
All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Andrew Mitchum in the house now. If you sort of recognize him from the show, you've probably been watching for a long time because it was six years ago that I had him on my 52 Traders podcast, almost six years ago. Sorry, it was June 2016. So welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Cam. Nice to be back again. Long time ago. Yeah, well, look, and we're, we're closer now in terms of uh, by geography. I mean, you've now moved from where you were before in New Zealand to flying distance, it's probably only, well, it's a 20-minute flight, isn't it, from where you are to where I am? It is indeed, across the water, but not far at all. Yeah. Yeah, so so um, we still haven't met, though. We're even in the same country, which is very rare. I've only interviewed, I think, yourself and then one other trader from New Zealand. So um, great to get you on again. And I know Thank we've got you. some cool stuff to cover here, which, you know, six or five, six years on from the last interview, um, I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of different things. But because that interview is not really available for the public unless they um, join and, and subscribe to my 52 Traders podcast, then let's, let's just go through and, and get your story again for the people that don't, don't know it. So how did you, just first of all, I suppose, give us a sort of quick background as to what you, what you, what you do now, what sort of your trading is like now in terms of, um, you know, you've been a trader for how many years? I, I can't even do the maths now. Um, <laughs> what you trade, and then we'll go back to the beginning and find out how you got there. Cool. Hence the grey hair starting here, Cam. Um, yeah, 17 years ago, I started trading. Um, I wasn't a trader. I had no background in trading at all. I've always been self-employed, um, but I was a dairy farmer back then. And, uh, and through divorce of all things, I had a uh, son who was about three at the time. He's uh, 20 uh, soon, so 17 years ago. And, uh, and I needed something to do that I was going to be able to, I suppose, not go out and work because I was looking after him the vast majority of the time. And I stumbled across an ad on the radio of all things. It, it's as silly and as simple as that for a course up in Auckland. And, uh, and they were promoting this thing called Forex trading. And uh, back then, because I was dairy farming, I knew about things like the New Zealand dollar, US dollar, and how it affected the milk payout that we have here in New Zealand and things like that, and what you see on the TV. And I kind of thought that was what it was. I kind of thought I need 100 grand and wait for the dollar to go up five, 10 cents and, you know, all that type of thing. Anyway, you know, um, went along and did the course. And although it wasn't probably that great looking back at it, it, I can't knock it because it gave me the bug and it got me into trading. Cool, and that's honestly as simple as how I started. I didn't know anybody that traded. Uh, I've never like worked up in a high rise in Sydney or Auckland or London or anything. It was purely wanting to do something, and because I love numbers and patterns, it sparked my interest. And so the dairy farming thing—did you just uh, back out of that, sell the farm, or did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Well, I mean. It, you know, it, um, dairy farms are a big tie, seven days a week, you know, sort of five o'clock every morning type thing. Um, but yeah, that was it. I, I couldn't, you know, sort of carry on with it. So I was almost like forced into it. And, and although pretty devastating at the time to lose my, you know, come to New Zealand to go farming dream. Um, in the end, it's like a lot of these things. If you're forced into something, it almost can work out for the, you know, for the better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I mean, the way I look at it is when you, you know, there's a problem or a challenge in front of you, it's usually going to work out for the best uh, yeah. for whatever reason. I remember somebody saying to me when I got made redundant from the last permanent job I had, he said, 
everyone that gets made redundant, I don't know, I've never heard a story of anyone that's had a uh, had a you know a shocking run afterwards. And he, yes. it was true. It was like it was. It's been brilliant ever since. Hence yeah. where I am now. Um, yeah. Yeah, now, same, same, yeah. now, um, so you you did the course in Auckland. How did you? You know, take the information you got from that course to get to the point where you you were profitable. Uh, it took four years actually to, of tearing my hair out of a lot of late nights. Um, back on those days, it was in the dial-up internet days to start with, and then you know, as soon as high speed or slightly higher speed came, it was you know one gig. It was massive, and you know, so it was it was certainly back in the days of put the computer on, do something, turn it off. Uh, so pretty, you know, pretty antiquated when you look back at it. Um, just did a lot of research into all sorts of different indicators, trying to subscribe to people that were selling signals and try to see what they were doing and things like that. And and I suppose um, most of it was was not good when you look back at it, but I suppose it got me to understand multiple different systems from news trading to all sorts of things and then out of all of that, I threw most of it out, started again with a blank chart and thought, well, look, Andrew, if you don't sort this soon, you really are going to have to do something. And again, it was almost that forced into that situation of, of making something work that I could work with. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and, and so so how did you how did you? Uh, I mean, I, I've got to say, first of all, back in you know back then, it probably would have been very difficult with all the you know not as easy as it is now to get mm. into the market and just be Absolutely. part of it. Yeah. Um, on on one side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, it probably was easier with less restrictions around you know brokers and who can yeah. trade where and what and the leverage and all that sort of stuff, which which is now sort of contracted a lot. Um, yes. I mean, what were some of the challenges other than the dial-up that you came across when you were way back in the day? Probably a lack of people to talk to, uh, you know, a lack of the, – there were not, I suppose, like the review sites that you get now where you can kind of go through and eliminate what's good and what's not good. Probably, you know, easier to do that more so now. Um, yeah, just lack of a strategy, a system, a course, people to follow – there was basically only a couple of like forum websites out there and they tend to get, you know, dominated by a few people and they start off with great intentions. Someone's created this new sort of idea and then by it gets to page, you know, hundred, it's just completely different and, and, and everybody's added bits to it. And um, so the whole cycle starts again, you look for the next thing. So for me, I just thought, well, I've got to actually get away from this. And, and so I just cleared everything off my charts and started with a blank chart and started looking at price again, because I realized that the more that I was adding all these, you know, moving averages and MACDs and lines and things on my chart, I was not actually focused on what the right hand side was telling me. Yeah. And I, I realized that I needed to do that. I needed to actually look at the chart and, and understand candles and price action, because that's what I could see was something that was going to work. Hey folks, just jumping in here now. This show is sponsored by Mudrix. Mudrix offers you three smart ways to make money from crypto. The first is coin sets, baskets of coins you can invest in based around themes and picked by experts. The second is algos. Choose from hundreds of robots that can trade crypto for you on autopilot. The third way is to create your own algos and tap into over 50,000 Mudrix investors. Click on my special referral link in the description below or the card above and get $25 when you join Mudrix today. And so was your, can you, I mean, I know it was years ago, but can you sort of remember a, a day or a time when you were going, when you were like, man, I think I'm right onto something here and it's very yeah. close. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and it was to do with just playing around and experimenting with fib levels, a lot of it, and round numbers. Two things, round numbers and fibs. Um, I realized that as soon as I started looking at the price and I looked at candles of where they were moving to and, and, and changing direction and things like that, and I looked at the right-hand side and I saw that the double zeros and the 50 levels particularly were, you know, were, were strong levels that the price changed around. And then I started, and I subscribed to a guy years ago, and and he had a different way of, well, I thought was a different way of drawing fibs. You know, the traditional find a swing high, find a swing low, and then Elliott wave and all that type of thing. It was awesome in a book, but I found it a really, really difficult to do in real time because you could never tell, like, are we at the swing low or is the next candle going to go lower? You know, so we have to redraw a fib. So I, I, I like the concept of those ideas but I found in reality they were quite difficult. So um, I just experimented with fibs over individual candles and, and then started going, actually, this does pull back to these levels quite often. And if the candle was a good one, like as in what I was starting to look for, and then, oh, it does actually go up to these levels quite often. Not always, but high probability. Yeah, it is, it's case. interesting. Eh? I mean, I, I had the same experience uh, mm. a couple of years ago, I think it was, or maybe a over a year ago and uh i I was the fibonacci expansion and i'd noticed that i was like what every Mm. time i draw this it sort of gets to the 116 uh, 161.8 and and turns or the 100 and turns or it even goes to the two whatever it is 220 yes that was it and uh, and then turns well and i was like but then i i couldn't find any sort of consistency as to when it would hit the right level Yes, and, and this was just getting out as opposed to getting in. So that was where where I sort of ended ended that that particular experiment. But that's mm. interesting. Okay, so fibs in round numbers, and then uh, so once you once you found that out, I mean, what was the next part of the puzzle to to get to the point where you, you had some more structure around it? Yeah, sure. Um, next part was then eliminating candle patterns because I did quite a bit of uh, looking on, you know, the Steve Nissan and all those, I think is how you pronounce his name, the, you know, the candle patterns. Yeah, yeah. And, and the trouble was there were so many different candle patterns and setups that people were describing. And, and so for me, it was elimination. And it was like, well, I need to kind of, kind of think, keep things quite simple in terms of I need to see this in real time. But not every engulfing candle is a setup just because it's a green bullish candle, you know. And so it's a case of when uh, then eliminating the ones that didn't work and try to actually figure out what part of the chart they were in. So that's when I started adding, you know, strength and weakness for the day as well and, and for the week. Um, when I started looking more at trend line breaks and Bollinger Bands, and then I added divergences as well. So I kind of added a few more things to it to try and say, well, this candle pattern here is a suitable candle pattern. It's an engulfing candle and, you know, it's had this prior to it and it's got room to move to its profit target, all those things. I like to have trades that have a round number to protect the stop loss as well, because to me that adds even more weight to, like, let's say, a buy trade. It's a very good, strong support level. Mm. So on a buy trade, if I can put my stop loss below a round number, then that helps. And likewise with a profit target, if that candles or, or the part of the chart's got room to move to the profit target without too much resistance like nearby, and I don't need to get over a round number to get to my profit. So therefore I'm looking at taking profit prior to that round number. 
And, and so I found all of that, when you sort of build it together, you have a real high probability chance of a good trade. And then I looked at the FIB levels again to add to my entry levels. So I'm using limit orders. And, and what that did is it meant my stop loss was still protected by the level that I needed, but it increased my reward to risk. And therefore, if I had a profitable trade, uh, you know, I was making sort of two, three, four times my risk. And, and therefore, you know, you can have a couple of losing trades and a winning trade and you're still making really good money. And so all that kind of developed. And then I sort of worked out that I'm not the sort of person that measures my success in pips. I worked out that percentages are a far better way of doing this. And so by putting my stop loss at the level I needed, I was then risking a certain percentage of my account on each trade. And for me, I got to a level of half of 1%, and that was my comfort level. So quite small risk per trade, but it's controlled. Mm. And that allowed me to trade different time frame charts, different currency pairs, and know that my risk was set and known and low. So cool, massively helped. Yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff in there. <clears throat> yeah, a lot going on there. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. It all makes it all makes sense. You got, yeah, you got divergence, yeah. spoiling bands, trendline breaks. Also, so guys, I think I mean these are, uh, are things to obviously go back and, and research yourselves uh, mm. or check out uh, forex trading coach here, Andrew stuff. Now the um, limit orders. I mean, mm. how often did you get? Or how often do you get uh, limit orders missed by a few pips, or <clears throat> um, you know, yep. where you're like going, "Oh man, that what?" And it just shoots into profit or goes straight to your profit target. Yep. And is that? And how do you? How did you sort of overcome that that issue? Yep. So I split with two limit orders. Uh, so I split my position. The only time I enter personally at a at a market order is on an hour time frame and lower, which. For me, I don't really trade those shorter time frames that often. I do on my live webinars with clients because, you know, we're on it live looking for trades. And so on those, I'll enter at the market because on an hour chart or anything shorter, I'm kind of riding the momentum that's happening right now. Mm. But if I'm trading, say, a longer time frame, and that could be um, two hours, four hours and onwards, the vast majority of the time, you will get a pullback to some degree. Not always, and and you're right. You know, sometimes you look at it and go, oh, should have, you know, should have, would have, could have, didn't. Yeah. And um, you know, sometimes that happens. But the vast majority of the time, a, a trade will pull back and get you filled. And then, if your setup's good, it will then turn around and go to your profit target. Um, if you miss it, then it's just a case of look, I picked it, I got the profit target right. I don't lose anything. I don't make anything, but. Move on, next yeah, trade. Yeah, so it's one of those things you got to get your head around it, and from a mindset point of view, so you're not chasing it and going, oh, yeah. and getting upset. You know, it's coming back round the round with the next trade. So, is there anything yes. you do to try and make sure that doesn't happen as often as it could, in terms of like placement of the limit order? Yeah, the limit order. So I split because I split the limit order. I have, uh, let's say, it's a buy trade. I have one that's sort of closer to the market order, and then a, a deeper one. Uh, and yeah. the one that's closer to the market order gets filled. I'd say probably nine out of ten times. Right. Okay. No, it's very rarely that a. If you look at say um, a four-hour chart, let's say, very rarely would it just go straight up. Like it will do at times, but not that often. And, and so you sounds like you sort of went 
you know navigated towards the higher time frames to do your trading i mean why how did you avoid the the you know i suppose getting stuck in the lower time frames like a lot of people who start out do um because i spent those first four years probably doing that right okay and um realized i wasn't actually making any money on them and and I found that the emotions came into things as well. You know, in the very early days with dial-up, it was like, well, I've got the computer to finally work. The internet's finally working. I've got the charts loaded. Uh, let's take a trade. And that emotion came into it too much. It was almost like because I was personally ready, I felt like I had to start, like, taking trades. Yeah. And and I found that with shorter time frame charts. It was just too jumpy. It took a lot of sitting at the computer and and to be honest, although I absolutely love trading, I'm not a, a fan of sitting watching charts all the time. I like to sort of um, have my plan. I've got my my bias of which day or so which direction I'm looking for which pair. And the way I trade now is I only trade on the close of a candle, so I know exactly when to go and look at the charts. And because I'm using limit orders, if I'm not there that exact time, it doesn't really matter because I'm waiting for the on a buy trade for the price to fall back anyway. Mm. You know, so I, I've much prefer. I've, I found by using limit orders, I place the trade. If it gets filled, great. If it doesn't, too bad. Yeah. And I've got my stop in place. I know I've got control risk. I know it's there for a reason. It's not just X number of pips. And similarly with my profit target, and I know that probability suggests that if my uh, setup's a good one, the probability is it will work. You know, seven, eight out of time, out of ten times. And I suppose history's proven that through all sorts of market conditions. If you trade the setup, the actual time frame you trade, the currency pair you trade, the direction you trade doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So, so in terms of like the um, going back to the limit orders again, and mm. and placing those. I mean, what what does your t- what does your trading day look like then if you if you're placing limit orders at the close of an hour? Uh, sorry, close of a bar. Close of a candle. Yeah. So uh, for me, I trade the daily charts every day. So that's five p.m. New York time. So right now for us in New Zealand, that's just turned to ten a.m. because we've gone to summertime. And at the beginning of each week. I'd look at the weekly charts at that time as well. And beginning of each day, I look at the daily charts. Um, not on a Monday because it's the start of the week, but Tuesday through to Friday at the same time, I look at 12-hour charts, 8, 6, and 4. So I can scan through the daily 12, 8, 6, and 4 in 10, 15 minutes quite easily. Go through them, see any trades, write them down, and, and take them. Now, um, Sometimes I'll wait until 6 p.m. because the spreads, as you know, are quite massive for the mm. first hour. And yep. I don't want them getting filled with big spreads. So I won't actually take them and place them on my platform until 6 p.m. And then during the day, I always try to look at the 5 a.m. changeover, which is now 10 p.m. my time. And at that time, I'll look through the 12, 6, 4, 2, and 1-hour charts. I include the 2 and 1-hour charts at that time because it's the European you know, session, more activity. So I can quite happily trade in just looking at the charts twice a day, half an hour of trading. And then if I want to, if I'm around, I might look at like a changeover of four or six or eight hour charts during the day. Mm. And so, so that, that changeover, the, the one 12 hours after open, I mean, is that, yes. 
Is that to get more trades on for that yeah, New yeah. York London session, or I suppose yeah. at the end of the London, but New York session? And it's into the okay. London session, and New York's not open at that stage. But yeah, um, I'll again, I trade the pattern, and if the patterns are there, there's two patterns that I trade: one's a reversal, one's a continuation. And if they're there, I'll, I'll take them. Um, it does, if it's a 12-hour chart or a four-hour chart, the reward to risk is pretty much the same on on both. And, and what's the what what pairs are you looking over? Uh, just mainly the the main eight uh, currencies and the combinations of each. Okay, cool. So so total total is what like 24, 30, uh, 28 32. pairs or so. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's pretty quick. So you can do twenty eight pairs in like fifteen minutes. You go through and the patterns are there or not. It, it really is a case of like just clicking through and go no 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 you know as soon as you know what you're looking for right yeah um, yes uh, like that write it down you know no 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 and come back to it okay. and, and then make that analysis and if you can do I set my my phone to ring me ten minutes before that changeover just as an alarm and so in that ten minutes I can scan through and then make that you know more in-depth analysis i like the pattern have i got the round numbers and the room to move all those type of things you know and, and just once i've got myself depending on the day of course it could be one setup it may be four or five setups depending on what's happening and then i'll just make those decisions candle closes place the orders leave it walk away awesome now uh, well, very much set and forget approach which i which yep. i love um so in terms of the uh oh, what was going to ask it was around oh yeah the, the the length of time these trades are running how how long yeah, sure. do they typically run for depends on the the time frame of the trade generally um it's more about number of bars and i'd say like a two-hour chart trade maybe open one two three bars depending on you know its movement and same with the longer time frame a 12-hour chart may hit the profit in in less than a bar less than 12 hours sometimes it may be open for you know two or three bars a day and a half depending on the movement but i'd say in general most trades would be out within two or three bars okay okay so, so there's definitely it's not swinging over the days and, and that sort of thing you're you're no no i, I close out trades out before the end of the week yep. on everything that's uh low or dave charts and lower Okay. If I have weekly trades and monthly trades, I'll leave them in over the weekend. Uh, but for me, I like to close out everything else before the end of the week. You just don't know with gaps and bigger spreads at the beginning of the week what could happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I mean, in terms of like managing the, the trades, I mean, how many you actively got running at the same time typically? And I suppose, do you even need to manage them given the fact that you're sort of looking for these level these FIB levels to exit? I don't try to manage them, no. I mean, unless there's an obvious change in sentiment and, you know, there's a big reversal, let's say today the um, euro US dollar is looking strong and I happen to have a buy trade in there and then, like, by the end of the day it's come back weak, I might look at closing a trade out early or right. partially closing a trade. Uh, but most of the time I like to leave the trade in to do its thing yeah. because I found that the more I intervene and kind of like mess with the trade uh, longer term the worse you would do yeah yeah cool and uh i mean like so you you know you've you obviously you you had uh you know we've got quite a history right so 17 years as a trader mm. you've seen a lot of people come through your training yep 
you obviously, I mean, I don't know if you can sort of remember back to, to how you were or what you think made you different from other people at the start. But what, what, what do you think now that you've seen like so many people come through your training, what are the key things that people are struggling with? What they're struggling with? Um, I can answer where I think the people let themselves down. Well, yeah, let themselves down. Yeah, 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 same sort of thing. I think think it's that consistency that people lack, as in if you're going to trade those times and, and, you know, that's what you do, then you've got to do that all the time. And a lot of people, like, for instance, I, I know I'm running this as a business for the coaching, but since 2010, we've never missed a single day of our daily trades, ever. Right. doesn't matter where I've been in the yep. world. I was in India like eight years ago, 2.30 in the morning. I was still up placing daily trades because that's what we do. And, and I think it's important that people have that consistency in their approach. And I think that's where a lot of people, maybe that's my dairy farming background. It was five o'clock every day, no matter what, it's Christmas day, your birthday, raining, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to do it. And, and I think that a lot of people uh, don't do that or they may have you know, say a week where they have some bad trades and, and then they go, oh, you know, not going to bother next week or, you know, whatever it might be. Or, or people go, oh, it's only a demo account. Mm. doesn't really matter. And so it's that whole mindset of treat it like it was any other business. If you've invested into a business, whether it's monetary or your time, uh, treat it though it's a real business. You may only have a, you know, pick a number, five grand account. But if you treat that, obviously it's real money, but treat it and trade it properly, then what you do on that five grand account, you can do on a 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 grand account or on you know trading funds for other people or selling signals, whatever it is you want to do, but treat every single trade like it's you know a business. Mm. Yeah, and and that, I, that's great advice. I mean, it is like, and, we'll say, have, and have you got any advice in terms of how somebody could get themselves into that position where, you know, they can be more regimented about what they're doing. Yeah, well, I, I think that because we post um, the trades that we paste uh, on the daily charts on our membership site each day, it's there every single day for people to follow. And we have a forum site that, uh, you know, we're on it a large part of the day and other clients are. And I think having that community of people is really important. I pretty much 99% of the time I'm always on our forum site at that 5 a.m. changeover posting trades. And when I look at the people that do really well, they're on there. Now, sure, not everybody can do it at the time of day and work and all those things and commitments other places. But I think if you have once or twice a day that you can look at the charts and trade and consistently do that, I think that really, really helps. Okay. Yes. Just, okay. Sorry, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, but I think having people around you to to talk to and to bounce ideas off of is really important as well. Now, I want to ask the question about, so you've sort of mentioned like a number of different uh, techniques from a technical analysis point of view. And mm. so I won't sort of say like, what three would you recommend somebody go and educate themselves on? But mm. what I'm interested to hear you talk about is like the depth of, so because you, you're covering all the bases here, right? You're covering sort of literally every base in terms of, um, you've not left any stone unturned. How important hmm. is that for somebody who's, you know, trading to dive really deep versus sort of having a, you know, 
a sliver at the top where they're looking at candlesticks or they're looking at fibs mm-hmm. or they're relying on something more heavily than than another. I think if you're going to do it properly and you kind of immerse yourself into wanting to really do this, I think it's important to to do it properly. Um, the, the danger is if you're only just looking at like, you know, one or two of those things, yes, you'll have some good trades, but yes, you'll also have a lot of losing trades. And then, you know, the whole human psyche is like, you know, you get despondent, you say it doesn't work, you blame the market, you blame your broker, you blame your dog, you blame everything. Uh, whereas it's really a lot of it, if you've got a proven system there already, it's actually you that's the issue. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's the, it's you as a trader. Yeah. So I think if you really, you know, I, I, I kind of probably told you this on the last interview. I may have just started to learn to fly. I can't remember, but I fly a helicopter. You know, you, you can't do that half measure. Yeah, you, you've got to know it properly because otherwise, you know, it, it will end wrong. This, this is exactly the same. It may not be quite so serious as an outcome, but you know, it's still the same thing. You've got to really get into it to, if if that's what you want to do. So I don't know if you can just sort of do little bits here and there. I think you you'd end up coming unstuck, and then you want to go and find another system or someone else to help you, or you you'll suddenly want to become a news trader or, you know, I think you've got to, if you want to do it full in, just do it. And so, so what would be like, out of all the things, you know, I mean, what would be the most important thing to get right to make this successful, like trading successful for you? Yep. So um, in terms of the actual practical trading, I think the money management's a big thing that sounds boring, but is massively underestimated. You know, I think that's huge. Um, having that low controlled risk on every trade, I think is huge. Um, so many people I see, they go and place like 0.1 lots or 1.0 lots, just a standard lot, you know, because that's all they think they can do. Whereas if you have each trade, you work out your stop loss, your accurate money position, you can put a trade on with confidence of knowing if this trade goes wrong, I'm losing, in my case, half of 1% maximum. So it stops you like psychologically, you know, there's two things in trading I think you need to control. One's up here and the other's in here. <laughs> you know, you control your head and your heart and your emotions. Um, if you have a few losing trades and you've sticking to your plan, that's part of trading. And I think if you can do that, and but the trouble is a lot of people out there, you look online, a lot of people say risk three to 5% per trade. Well, that starts to become gambling. You know, you go and have two or three, four trades go wrong, and all of a sudden you're 15, 20% down. Mm. That's that's not a good situation to be in. So, yeah, keeping your risk low, having a strategy that you can trade that, to me, doesn't take all day to do it or doesn't, you know, need to be sat at a computer all day, I think is important as well. And also having that high reward to risk. So when you get to your profit target, you you're making really good profit, and you can afford to have a couple of losers either side because when you have a good profitable trade, you're, you're wiping out those losers plus making more. And, and just on the profit target, so sort of similar to the limit orders not mm. getting triggered and the profit targets not quite getting hit. I mean, mm. how and going all the way back to like a, a stop loss. I mean, what are you doing that sort of scenario? Or if you wake up and you go and check the trades that were running overnight. You see that this almost hit take profit and it's now sort of halfway back to to, uh, break even. Yep. How do you manage that? 
So uh, two ways. If I happen to see that like occur, then at a, an, a lower FIB level, I'll close part of the trade. If it's sort of got close to my profit target and it's coming back again then I'll close part of the trade at that FIB level. Um, I like to, if I do intervene, I like to close like for a reason, not just break even because it's like a bit of a fluffy feels nice type of thing. I would prefer to like move stop losses to RAND numbers as well, to use those like RAND numbers. So in other words, if, if my stop loss was, you know, it's normal position, I'd move it up. But if I can have that still on a buy trade underneath another RAND number, I can close part of the trade, move my stop up, and rather than and just step it up, rather than just taking it out of the market. Even, and, yeah, exactly. Break even. Yeah, yeah. yeah, break even really doesn't mean a lot, in my opinion. It just happens to be that's the place that you got filled into the market. Mm. Technically, it generally doesn't mean a lot for your stop loss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, now, um, thinking about, so you talked about emotions being obviously key. I mean, mm. have you got anything that, any te- techniques or hacks or tips that you can leave the listeners with in terms of getting their emotion correct or right for the for trading? Um, to me, the community is a big thing. I think that helps emotions because if you are following a strategy or someone, a group of people that have done this for a long time and you start seeing what they're seeing, I think that massively helps you with your confidence as well. Um, sure, you could argue to start with maybe that's following, but there's no harm in that. You know, you're following from someone. It's like learning any skill. You know, you, you want to learn from someone who's done this for a while. Mm. So I think that helps with confidence uh, of just being able to discuss things. Um, you know, without wishing to push what we do, we have one strategy, one system, and we only talk about that. It's it's when I think people get onto those general forums and they you know start losing that focus of what it is they're doing you know because everybody's in there trying to add their input into it what i've been real conscious of over the years is we're like our forum site we discuss this one strategy and that's it we don't start adding bits in here there and everywhere and making a big mess and so we we focus on quite a simple basic strategy really because it works and and it's like why reinvent the wheel it works now so um if you had to say to someone hey look Go away and spend the next month mastering this. What would it be? Understanding price action, I think, is a big one for them. Uh, look at candle patterns. Look at uh, where they occur within the chart. Um, for me, I like to include Bollinger Bands. I think they give a really good um, understanding of, you know, as an example, if you see an engulfing candle already at the upper Bollinger Band, that for me, that's not a great place to be taking a trade. Because a buy trade, you mean, or a sell trade? As a buy trade, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's quite likely you're going to not go too much further, and then it will start pulling back. Yeah. Um, likewise, if you see that at a bottom Bollinger Band, and you've had some prior indecision, like a pin bar or a bounce at a certain level, and the price has gone down that band, and you've had that exhaustion candle, which is like a pin bar, and then the engulfing candle, then you, you're likely to see a reversal. So for me, the Bollinger Bands. Upper and lower one can give really good reversals. Um, but then it's not just every engulfing bar at an upper or lower band. It's like, have you got a previous trend? Um, if it's been flat prior to that and then an engulfing candle, it's probably not great. You know, I like to see exhaustions. Um, 
and then have a look at if you draw your middle Bollinger band on, which is effectively your 20 period moving average, and you see, let's say, an uptrend and a pullback and it bounces there. That to me is a great continuation area because the price is likely to then head up again. I love continuation trades. They don't look quite so dramatic and quite so cool on your charts, you know, because you know picking tops and bottoms looks really good, yeah, but it's yeah, a yeah, higher yeah, risk. Yeah, yeah. Um, an uptrend pullback and then the sign to go long again, to me, is the safest trade every day. Mm. Mm. Now, um, we're going to jump into the quick fire round here. Uh, if you guys have listened to the first episode, you know some of these uh, answers. Um, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Four years. What's your favorite entry setup? Uh, that continuation pattern that we mentioned off the middle Bollinger Band, prior exhaustion, ran number banks, hidden divergence. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? Uh, fib levels. What's your recommended trading book or resource? Um, resource. Um, I still use Forex Factory just to look at news and what's happening in the world. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Uh, I'm still old school MT4, um, MT4 or MT5. Uh, I've got a few brokers I use. Blueberry Markets I find really good in Australia. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Uh, that was completely out of my control because all my trades are low control risk. Uh, this was the first week of January, about probably five, six years ago. There was a horrendous gap on something like the Aussie yen, I think, from memory, and it cost me about 30 grand. Oh, yeah. Was that on, the, on January 2nd, was it? like Something like yeah. um, around that? Around about that, a yeah. number of years ago. It's a horrendous gap, and uh, the broker just you know, I could do nothing about it. They told me they could do nothing about it, and my half percent risk suddenly went to this massive, massive loss. Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, again, not wanting to push what we do, but seek advice or seek, if you want to shortcut your process, that is, find a system or a strategy or someone who you think you can work with that has that kind of style of trading. You know, if you want to do news trading, then we're not your people. You know, so, but if you want to do price action trading and technical trading without sitting at charts all day, maybe we are. But it depends on what suits you or what you think you want to do. But for me, I think seeking someone to help shortcut is a great investment. Cool. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Uh, the ForexTradingCoach.com. Just uh, in my personal email address is Andrew at the ForexTradingCoach.com. They all come through to me and I'll answer them all personally. Awesome stuff. Well, look, a big thank you to Andrew for sharing with us today. Again, uh, everything we discussed here, along with all those links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Andrew in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, guys, there we go. Into Dan and Dasa with Andrew. I told you it was going to be epic, didn't I? So, guys, thanks for staying around to the end. Do remember that we did shoot a video after this where he breaks down everything he's spoken about on a price chart, then talks about uh, this amazing software that he's created that you have a chance to get hold of. Now, if you do want to get hold of that and you use my affiliate link, I will send you Andrew's first episode that we shot, uh, what was it, five years ago, back in 2016, along with, I think there's a, I believe there's a video with that comes 
comes with that one as well. Um, guys, also remember, last but not least, my Robot Builders Club still taking on members at the moment. The fake structure bot performance is up there on tradingnut.com or the YouTube channel, or actually, sorry, it's tradingnut.com. We shot a video on the YouTube channel as well that walks through how I automated market structure. So if you're looking to automate some or all of your trading, then go and check out Robot Builders Club. Last but not least, Genius Trader is coming. So guys, stay tuned for that, and we'll see you in the future episode.